Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. Ah, yes, your weekly tee box dysfunction is back alongside the Caddy, Michael Collins. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. Hit us up on social media, both Instagram and Twitter at Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and. And then Caddy, C-A-D-D-I-E, that is both Instagram and Twitter, at Maddie and Caddy, is how you get a hold of us via social media. Caddy, how do they get a hold of us via old school telephone? It's the listener line, yo. You can hit us up on the phone. Leave a message. Let us know who you are. The phone number. And you know you want to call us, so call us. The phone number, 860-506-6012. That's 860-506-6012. Maddie and the Caddy's listener line. And we have some great calls this week. We've got three that we're going to get to. Um, Two of them are questions. One of them has pointed out some factual inaccuracies uh, from the podcast, which we always appreciate. Uh, so we'll get to that coming up in just a bit. We'll also get to Josh Donaldson, the interview for this week, a former AL MVP, now with the Atlanta Braves, the third baseman. And the best thing that I loved about this podcast with Josh Donaldson is because we'll do the reenactment real quick for the, for the beautiful patron caddy of when we were watching Josh Donaldson on the driving range in Orlando. Yes. So playing in the Diamond Resorts Championship, which is the first LPGA Tour event of the year, an LPGA Tour pro who will not be named was on the driving range about maybe 15 to 20 feet away from Josh Donaldson and did not know who Josh Donaldson was. No clue whatsoever. And Josh gets out the driver and hits one driver. And the player who wasn't paying attention at the time just heard the sound and stopped and turned and looked over as Josh teed up another one. Now, I'll make the sound of the driver, and Maddie, you make the sound of the player after contact was made, and the flight of the ball was watched. And it, okay. went, it went just like this. What? <laughs> and everyone on the driving range stopped and laughed because of the sound that that player made as the ball left the club face into the stratosphere. Yeah, I mean his his story is amazing. I mean Josh Donaldson. I, I I'll say it again. He I've never seen someone who doesn't get paid professionally to hit a golf ball hit a golf ball like Josh Donaldson does. So you'll want to hear that interview coming up. It's a fantastic interview. Uh, Josh Donaldson, our guest today. So much to unpack on uh, this week's episode. I want to start looking back before we look forward. And I cannot tell you, and I've said this on the podcast, if you haven't heard it by now, listen to some of the past episodes. I love it when a star in our sport gets a win early in the season. And we got that at Pebble Beach with Phil Mickelson, also the side of this year's U.S. Open. Caddy, you were there, and I thought, Phil, these guys handled horrible weather, and the fact that Phil Mickelson is already in the winner's circle this year activates all of my golf feels, including my glutes. <laughs> yes, but, and I hate saying that with Phil because I, I have to admit that he and I have become closer now than I think we've ever been in the 15-plus years that we've known each other. What happened on Sunday night when darkness was falling made Phil look very ugly. Yeah. It so, made him look really ugly. It was a lose-lose for everyone. Look, everybody knew 
that there wasn't technically wasn't going to be enough daylight to finish when when we got the hail delay mother nature first if 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 you hadn't seen what was going on at pebble it hailed on sunday and it started hailing while the sun was still out i mean there was some biblical type weather that went on because it hailed on tuesday out there it was horrible even when the sun was out, it was about 50 degrees tops with a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind. It was freezing cold. And then the rain would come in. The course was already soaked from a storm that had come in the weekend before and actually destroyed some structures. Mm-hmm. I was there doing some stuff for Sirius XM, and we never even got our tent built on really? the 18th. It, there was no way to do it. There was just no way to do it, at, at least not feasibly, because they were laying down so much mulch, and as it rained throughout the week, it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Now, getting back to Phil, so Sunday, there's a hailstorm that stops play, right? And the leaders tee off. the The tee times local get back to play at one p.m. The leaders hit their tee shots at one ten. Mm-hmm. They were walking off the first green to the second tee at one thirty-five. There is absolutely, positively, no chance they're going to finish. None, none. And there's twenty-five amateurs in the field who are also trying to play as well. So it's one of those. Everyone knows Pebble is. If if you thought golf was slow, normally on the PGA Tour. You throw Pebble Beach is like glacial. I was going to say because there's probably at least two to three holes at least on the on the course where guys are always waiting at the tee. You box. just that's what you do. You sit yeah. there and wait. It just that's the way it goes on on these par fives that are reachable. So we get to the 16th hole and Phil wants to hustle, hit his shot on 17. Trying, he's trying to get this thing finished because he knows he knows in his heart he's going to win. Which, by the way, because he had started to pull away from Paul Casey, like the, the he had started. Paul Casey to... also knew that Phil was going to win. Correct. And this is where people had a problem with Paul because they were like, "Why does he seem so happy, knowing that he's not going to win and blew a three shot lead?" Well, here's why. He knew he had the opportunity to come back Monday morning in probably better conditions with perfect greens for two holes, and where he could. Well, he first had a putt. On the 16th hole, yep. three feet, two inches. He knew that it's within his rights when they blow the three, when they blow the horn three times, it's within his rights as a player to say, it's too dark, I don't want to continue. He's allowed to say that. Now, Phil probably had plans on Monday, whether that was going to be flying to hang out with his fam or doing an outing or whatever. So Phil was stank. And I mean, like, embarrassingly stink. Yeah, because the cameras did a good job of picking up. You could tell it was uncomfortable. Yes, and I understand where after the fact, Phil said, oh, I apologize to Paul after. And wait, you you didn't apologize till after you won? Oh, I said something to him early on the first tee. Hmm, not quite sure I'm buying that. Like, sorry, I love the dude, but I don't know if I'm buying that. So I understand people being upset, one with Paul Casey because he seemed so happy. The reason that Casey was happy was that dude just won the Pro-Am with 
his playing partner, who happens to be the FedEx guy. Yes. Remember that little prize we yes. played for at the end of the year? So this dude who's a 13 handicap wins the AT&T Pebble Beach <laughs> Pro-Am. And because Paul Casey was smart enough to come back the next day, he made an extra hundred and some thousand dollars because he finished solo second and didn't have to split that second place with three other people. That's exactly right. Because However that, many other people. That's where the conditions come in to where he knew he could score at least on the last two holes to separate himself from the pack, which is and fine. And that birdie he made on the last hole is the one that got him solo second. But so that's, it's like, and that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. What, what burns me about this is like, First of all, both Phil Mickelson and Paul Casey are both Arizona State guys. They both played their college golf at Arizona State. So I don't like that there's that little bit of tension to begin with being an ASU guy. But, Collins, Phil, regardless of what we think of him, because we love him, he has that reputation amongst the players. Now, he's in the latter stages of his career, so he's Wait, not what as reputation? He, what He's not the most popular guy amongst the players. Back in, his, back in, the, peak, back in the peak of Phil Mickelson, wasn't popular. He was very, a man of the people. He was yes. a man of the people in the Patriots. But he, whereas it was different, where Tiger, you know, he had that intimidation thing going on. But players generally liked playing with Tiger because they felt that he was one of the guys. Phil and never had Tiger. That. Tiger would also walk down the driving range and talk to rookies on tour that thought Tiger had no clue who they were, and he would tell them, "Hey, that was a great seventh, sixth, seventh place finish last week, and what you did on such and such hole was pretty cool." See, and they'd be like, wait, what? Exactly. Tiger saw that? Phil, on the other hand, what I think is interesting here, and, and I love that you were there because this is, you know, this is controversial that's going to get at Pebble Beach in terms of, of how it stops. You can tell on the cameras. Even if you were watching the tournament with sound down at a bar or something, you could tell that there was some tension. But right. I, I think people, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. People got a window into Phil Mickelson. I mean, I've been at tournaments with Phil uh, back in the day in Dallas at the um, Byron Nelson, where he got a little bit surly with with some some organizers about crowd control and course design, and and, and I got to see that because I get to get inside the ropes. But I mean, people got to get inside the ropes with Phil, and sometimes it's not what it comes off during the tournament when he's man of the people, Phil. Well, here's the thing. Phil is man of the people, but Phil's also human. Yeah. Like, he gets mad, he gets upset, and he vents every now and then. And to for people to think that he would never do that would be uh, asinine, in my opinion. Agreed. Because everyone acts that way. Everyone has something that sets them off and makes them get a little stank, right? Like, yeah, okay. well, look, we've done, you've seen me. Bruh, <laughs> yeah. I've <laughs> seen, well, don't make it sound like I, like, like, through puppies or something like that. No, it's cats. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was it was ferrets. <laughs> no, but I mean, so it's okay. Like he's a competitor. It's, it's fine. I just yes. I, I just don't know. I, what I don't understand is why there were some pearl clutchers out there that they're like, oh, Phil. Well, yeah, he's one of the greatest of all time. He's a competitor. You think he got to where he was by just being Johnny comes sunshine all the time? Well, here's the th yes, that is how he got to where he he is and that's what was so surprising for me is that the guy who understands the most about image and is very good at at keeping his image exactly how it is made a mistake image-wise on what happened on that 16th.
so, at Pebble. So what did so, he? What did he? If, if you didn't watch it, or you were busy. Is is condensed as you can. What oh, did? No, don't ask me. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, nah, don't. <laughs> Wait, why not? <laughs> because, uh, full disclosure. Yeah, your boy watched a little bit of it on tape because I was driving through the mountains. Oh, because you were heading to where you are now, Los Angeles. Correct. Got and it. You want to see Mike get stink? Mike had a stink moment, but it was towards Waze GPS. Okay, let's stay there for a second because I cannot stand Waze. I cannot stand the Waze app. And if they were going to sponsor the podcast, sorry, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. You I'm not in no, on, thank you. I'm not. I'm not in on them because here's what Waze did. Here's what Waze does. They try to overthink the room with the most shortcuts that you can. When sometimes, Mikey, the greatest way to get to a destination is in a direct Straight. route. Yeah, and this is where I messed up by not double checking that. When I landed in L.A. and drove to Pebble, I went straight up the 101. Sunset, beautiful, stunning drive. When did, I left, did moment Pebble, with yourself in the car. I mean, it was just one of those. <laughs> when you're driving up the coast, if you've never been out west and been on, seen the Pacific Ocean, when you get out there, just drive the 101 for a little bit, just 15 miles. Yeah, you're gonna see some things that are just. That kind of take your breath away and make you go, man, this is, we got it pretty good. We just got it pretty good. You appreciate nature. You know, after so, you left me in Los Angeles, while you were making your drive, I was actually at a bar in Santa Monica. I was watching the same sunset you were. See? Only I was watching it from, from a, a bar and you were watching it from your car. So we were kind of like five Not making me feel better. <laughs> in the American tale somewhere out there. We were both. This is true. We were both yeah. staring at the same sun together. See? Yeah, it's kind of nice. It was like we shared a moment without being next to each other. Now, the mistake was I listened to Waze leaving Pebble Beach without checking. And I'm normally, because of my caddy roots, I'm normally really good about checking forecasts for the whole drive. Oh. In this case, I was like, look, I got to get down to Pebble, to, to Los Angeles as early as possible because of the Celebrity Cup that happened here at Genesis Monday, trying to get in early. There was a severe snow and ice storm. And the hail that happened, this is how crazy weather changes at Pebble Beach, and you go with it. The hail happens in the morning. By the afternoon, the sun had come back out. It was fine. It looked good. Even though the temperature wasn't up, it was like, okay, not too bad. It might rain a little bit, which it did. But whatever. So I completely forget, well, if it's hailing here, what's it doing in the mountains? So Waze apparently doesn't think of that either. <laughs> so when I try and skip out of Pebble early because I'm like, well, they're not going to finish. So I can right. get down to L.A., see everything that happened, and then still be good to go for the morning to get over to the course, blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff. As I start going on this journey that Waze takes me on, I'm on what seems like a dirt road, and now it's pitch black, and there is snow everywhere. And I know I'm kind of up in the mountain. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this is not – and the road is ice. So I'm trying to stay actually on the snow. As a guy who comes from Pennsylvania, I understand how to drive in these situations. 
you got to drive real slow and don't stop. Just keep moving. Because if you keep moving, then you can keep as much control of, an, of a vehicle as possible, especially if you're not on the ice and you're on the snow. What happens? 20 cars in front of me just stop in the middle of the road, not even off to one side. They just stopped and was like, well, we're not going to make it any further. And that's it. They're just sitting there. And then people are out walking around. And I'm like, someone hurt? Is there a bad accident? What's the problem? Oh, no, you just, we can't go any further. What do you mean you can't go any further? And I'm like, well, I'm going to go. Can I get around? And they're like, oh, well, you might be able to get to the side, but be careful because that's kind of a cliff. (laughs) Huh. So now I got to turn around. But Waze takes me 30 miles. They basically takes me in a 30-mile circle. I would have lost my mind. Well, here's where the other thing. I was thinking, okay, you know what? I'm going to just use the maps and my kind of instincts to get to I-5 until I look on the application. Not just Waze, but another one. I-5 is closed. Oh, wait. What do you mean your instincts? What are you, Magellan or something? Bruh. Come on, man. Caddy's got to know north, south, <laughs> east, west. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, trust me, Magellan, he ain't navigating as good as I am because there ain't no stars out. So he can kiss my <laughs> booty because try and do this in the clouds. But <laughs> it's cloudy out and snowing and ice and stuff. So what should have taken me four hours and 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. I left I left the golf course bef- right before 430. And I pulled into the hotel parking lot in Los Angeles at 1230 at night. Oh, my gosh. And, like, you know, I'm usually real chill, you know, kind of go with – I white-knuckled that drive. (laughs) I actually – this is how bad it was. I snuck on the I-5 at an area that was still closed. What What do you mean you snuck onto Interstate 5? You were Al Cowling driving O.J. Simpson? Yeah, I pretty much went around a cop. And got on the on ramp and just took off and was like, if the dude's coming, he's coming. But I'm not, I'm not driving in these mountainous areas. Once I saw the sign that said Bear Crossing, I was yeah. like, nope, that's it. Your boy's done because I ain't got my equipment or gear to protect myself. So like, you, if I go off the side and I'm in a ditch and a bear decides, yo, before I go to sleep, I'm gonna get me some grub. Or that dude looks kind of tasty, juicy. So you would I, be a fine for a bear. That's exactly why your boy went around a police officer. I'm very sorry if you're listening, but I got on I five and thirty miles on I five. It's me. So <laughs> not another car. I just kept waiting. I was like, this is even creepier now because I five at the, at that time was pretty clear. Yeah, it was. There wasn't ice, but at the, but someone at a gas station where I stopped to fill up said. I-5, the reason it's closed is because it's just a pure sheet of ice. And I was like, what? That is unbelievable, especially, I mean, you're, you're a little further north then, but heading down to L.A. But it's yes. amazing that while you were borderline going The Revenant and committing felonies, <laughs> that Phil Mickelson was outing himself publicly in a golf tournament. But nonetheless, I think it's another good story to start the season You've got Ricky Fowler yes. and Phil Mickelson winning in just Early. about consecutive weeks, and it's fantastic. That's awesome. And you know what? Here's the here's how Phil has also gotten off the hook. Thank you, Matt Kuchar, again. Correct. Thank you, Matt Kuchar. 
because now the story is out. And I just had a discussion with another member of the media who was like, yeah, but it's a bad look that the caddy didn't take the 15, 5,000, 15,000 that was offered. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not a bad look. If you, if someone said, if you win, you're getting a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. And then when you win, the guy goes, "Hey man, here's fifteen. Be happy. Uh, you you know what? You can keep your money. You can kiss my booty." Yeah, but did they agree to the hundred and thirty thousand? Apparently, they had never agreed to a percentage. So there you go. It was a handshake agreement. Okay, so the handshake agreement. Look, I'll pay you. He paid him fifteen grand. I, again, I, you know, no, he I, didn't pay him fifteen grand. It wasn't he, until after he was shamed that he offered fifteen. So what did he pay him at all? Five. Oh, that's ridiculous. Five. He gave him five thousand in cash after the tournament and said, "Here you go. Be happy." That's Thanks ridiculous. So and but then here's had the, other the nerve. Thing, but- here's the thing. He. Kucher had the nerve to talk about how great and helpful when what a great good luck charm this dude was. And here's the best part about article that's on golf.com is when asked, hey, if Kucher comes back to defend his title, are you going to caddy for him again? And the guy goes, yeah, nah, I'm not. Nope. He's another one. Kucher's another one that's a man of the people because, you know, the Cooch. And He's they do not that a man of the people. He Just people love yelling Cooch, but I'm going to say this. And I know it's going to resonate a little bit harder for people who don't understand this, but we were talking about Phil Mickelson. Yeah. And Phil Mickelson, people who are on the outside and probably are not Phil fans, they always would say, tell us the truth. Is Phil a phony? Is he a phony? No. You know what? Cooch is the biggest phony out there. Wow. Colin. Yeah. That's, so, that's revelatory is. from you because you never take shots at, at people. No, and we it's might hard have for to me, throw that on the ESPN hot list. It's hard for me to say that too because, at, like, it's not like I don't like Matt, and it's not like we haven't like had great interviews and stuff together. And he is; he's a good interview and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, like that whole smiling thing is it's an act. Wow, it's an act. So, but that's, how do you, if this story had never come out, and this mm-hmm. is what we talked about once before. So, let's say you caddy for Matt Kuchar in the past, and he stiffed you. Who are you going to tell if you want to stay caddying? Correct. Who are you going to go to? Because if you come out and whistleblow, you ain't never caddying You ain't never again. working again, yeah. Even if you're in the right. That's the thing that's so shameful about doing stuff like that out here to caddies. Because even if the caddy's in the right, they're never going to work again, which is why you never heard anything no. because, hey, guess what? His old caddy still out here working. You're right. Well, and the other thing is, too, he's a, he's a caddy at this local course, and then, you know, there's going to be the whole mindset of, well, who, who the hell is this guy? He got the caddy for a PGA event and the, for the winner. But, no, it's not a good look. And the fact that the story's out there, I mean, there, there are so many things with the Matt Kuchar story that we could get into. But bottom line is this. Now fast-forwarding uh, to the Genesis, which we'll get to after the Josh Donaldson interview. Um, the, fact that I've got, the fact that oh, I've yeah. got Phil, the fact that I've got Ricky already in the winner's circle, ahead of the biggest time in golf where you've got Genesis, then you go over to Florida, you've got 
in no particular order. You've got the players, you've got the Honda, you've got the Arnold Palmer, you've got so many good tournaments leading up to Augusta. We are in a really, really good spot right now in yes. golf. So coming up next, uh, Josh Donaldson. It was a fun interview. You'll want to listen. But first, Peter Millar, great golf apparel company, founded in 2001 with a single cashmere sweater and has grown into a premium American lifestyle brand featuring a wide range of casual sportswear, tailored menswear, and luxury performance golf apparel. Now, recently, I've been receiving all of my style tips from the clothing experts at Peter Millar. If you're a golfer like me, you know the name. If you don't, you should, because Peter Millar is all about quality, value, and style. It's the most comfortable clothing I've ever worn, and right now, I'm wearing their five-pocket pants. What I love about these pants is they offer so much comfort and style no matter what I'm doing. They're lightweight, highly breathable, made from the highest quality Pima cotton, and have comfort stretch for ease of movement. They can be worn year-round, and since they're machine washable, they're easy to take care of. I've never have to worry about what to wear on any occasion. Peter Millar is my go-to clothing for vacation, which I'm currently on, work events, the golf course, and even working out. The five-pocket pants I'm wearing, the most comfortable pants I've ever worn. I can say that about everything I've ever worn from Peter Millar. Right now, you can head over to PeterMillar.com slash Maddie to check out some of my Peter Millar favorites. Be sure to use my link, and you'll receive complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash Maddie, PeterMillar.com slash Maddie. Coming up next, Josh Donaldson in an interview you don't want to miss. He hits the ball farther than any human not paid to hit a golf ball does. That coming up next on Maddie and the Caddy. All right, Braves third baseman, former AL MVP Josh Donaldson. I I tried to do this story justice yesterday, but I can't. So please tell the beautiful listeners of Maddie and the Caddy, when you went out to the driving range yesterday with these clubs that you just did what to and when. Yeah, I just unraveled them out of the box and uh, took them out of the plastic, put them straight in, uh, to the bag, and we're going to see how they work out this week. But then we watched you hit some of these clubs for the first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We I mean, were there with you, and it was like you had had them your entire life. Yeah. I mean, I felt like they were pretty good. Uh, <laughs> blades. <laughs> yeah. You went from cavity back, yeah. took the plastic off a yeah. set of blades, and was like, yeah, all right, we'll put these in play. Shah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I had I hit that driving iron for the first time. It's Strixon driving iron. And, um, man, it was it was nice. Uh, Callaway. I just kind of got sponsored by Callaway. Yeah. And uh, so trying to use their product that they had given me, um, the irons so far. I mean, I, I like the feel of them, and I like the weight. They're a little bit heavier of a, a feel, and I like that because it kind of reminds me of a baseball bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is good. Yeah. Well, that's what he was – Matt, when we walked away, Matt goes, I don't I don't understand how he can just uh, out the bag start hammering. And I go, well, this is a dude who's used to a 93-mile-an-hour yeah. ball – moving yeah. when it gets to the plate. So the golf ball sitting on the ground, you're looking at that going, I'm going to murder you. Yeah, most of the time I am. I mean, there are bad intentions when he swings a yes! golf ball. I yeah. said, I'm like, he hits the absolute Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I – uh, my my baseball swing is uh, very similar to the golf. I mean, I take a nice rip. And um, I don't know, uh, maybe – I have something against the golf balls or baseballs, whatever it may be, but I, I just, I just want to try to, hit, I just want to hit that thing as hard as I can. And when I don't try to hit it as hard as I can, it, it starts spraying. 
So I got to swing at it. And when I do that and make solid contact, it goes straight. Is when it did like you... that in baseball too? Yeah. I mean, if I try, I mean, I can, you know, I can work at different percentages in my baseball swing more yeah. than I can in golf because I've been practicing my baseball swing a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize, like, I can play golf? Like, when did you pick it up? Man, I actually started playing golf when I was 18 months old. Wow. Yeah. And then I, I, I grew up in Pensacola. Yeah. And I uh, was on one of our local golf channels at like three. I could hit a golf ball about 150 yards. And then uh, my dad went to jail when I was five. And my mom didn't like golf. So I started going and playing baseball and football and basketball. And uh, obviously, you know, it worked out for me. But I really didn't start picking golf back up again until, you know, I played a little bit throughout my teen years. Yeah. Um, and then I, I didn't really start kind of getting somewhat serious about it when I was, until I was about 20, 21 years old. Wow. But, you know, at this time of the year, it's like as soon as I'm about to go into baseball season, my golf game is kind of getting on point, and, it, <laughs> and then I got to leave, and then I got to leave. So it's like every year I come back, it's like, oh, I'm trying to re-figure it out. Yeah. You know. Now, are you, you one of those like... guys, are you one of those guys that when you get to spring training, I mean, and the season starts, clubs are down, or do you still allow yourself to get out and play? Uh, I like to go play golf as when I can, yeah. Uh, during the season, not so much. I mean, I, I'll do like a couple of charity events throughout the year where I'll go hit a couple balls and play a few holes or whatnot. But you know, our season is just so long, and yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to go out there and hit just because. Um, I don't know, golf for me can be you know it's enjoyable and it's relaxing, and and honestly, I learned a lot about when I restarted doing redid my swing in 2012. A lot of it came from golf. Wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, launch angle, things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I started getting uh, on a TrackMan. Yeah. And uh, I, I was out in Arizona, and I was getting fitted for the first time. The guys spitting numbers at me like, "Hey, you need to be at this. Your spin rate needs to be here. You know, your launch angle needs to be here. Um, uh, you have to catch a driver on an upswing, angle of attack. Yeah, angle of attack. All this stuff. And I'm sitting here. I'm like. What language are you speaking? No, I'm like, oh my, like I was like, oh my god, what? You mean there's actually numbers out there that can tell me that <laughs> I'm, this is what I have to do and achieve to hit the ball as Better? far as I want? <laughs> like I was out there in Arizona and I'm booming these drives 400 yards. I mean, I have it. I have my, uh, uh my the, the little track man yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I have it. The app, so yeah, yeah. Well, not just track man, but like the, the print the, out, yeah, it, the yeah, print out. Yeah. Yes. And so I was actually looking at it. It was when uh, the SLDR came out. I was killing that thing, and um, you know now I've I've switched to the ping driver, and I'm I'm still hitting it pretty good. But I to get back on point, I went and started using these numbers and angle of attack because when I was in baseball and stuff, everybody kept telling me swing down, yeah. create backspin. And I'd hit these balls, especially like to right field, and the ball would just get hung up, you know, kind of like a balloon mm, when you're flutter. Yeah, when you're when your shafts are too weak in a golf club, you know how it just yeah it comes off hot, but it just doesn't go anywhere. And I was doing that a lot in my own baseball game, huh. and so I started crediting like I'm over spinning it in my baseball swing, so that's why the ball's not carrying the way that it should. And so then I started thinking of angle of attack and like, uh, getting on plane and stuff like that. And I, I completely redone my swing using this technology. And, you know, in 2012, the first month of the season, I was the worst statistically baseball player in the big leagues. 
and I was in the cusp of refiguring all this stuff out. Yeah. And then I ended up, you know, everything worked out pretty well. It yeah, worked it, out all right. Three yeah. years later, right? Hey, <laughs> yeah, it well, the next year, uh, 2013, I finished fourth in the MVP voting. 2014, I finished eighth, and then 15, I won it. And that it, it took about that long for you to just kind of figure out how to perfect what you were trying to do. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, to me, it's just all sequencing. Like how yeah. the body moves is a sequence. You know, the, how your body moves is going to be different than how my body moves, but there are certain positions and points that you have to get to in order to create the type of uh, swing and, you know, optimal swing that you want to create. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it took a while to kind of figure that because – Honestly, I mean, it's I was having to learn it in game. Yeah, right. And in at the major league level, and it it took a little bit of time and a lot of a lot of hours went into that. Are there swing thoughts when you're at the plate, like swing thoughts when you're standing over it on the tee shot? Oh, for sure. Really? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like I mean, any good coach would probably tell you, you want to try to minimize. You want to just try to make it one thought at a time. Yes. Uh, but you definitely, you know, day to day, depending on, you know, where your body's at that day, how well you're moving, the swing thought is going to, it could be something different. But as long as it's online for your, your foundation and your fundamentals, then, you know, you can carry it on. There's some days where I feel like I couldn't hit the ball at the infield. So on that day, I'm going to sit there and say, Hey man, I'm not going to sit here and try to go deep. You know, now I'm going to try to, instead of trying to launch a ball at this, height i'm gonna you know i'm gonna say more low line drive so whenever i hit it it's gonna find some excuse me find some space yeah but with the driver you're thinking about sending it every time yeah yeah mostly (laughs) mostly i'm I'm not playing for cash (laughs) yeah you know i'm playing i'm playing i'm I'm playing to see how far i can i want to i want to try to dent the ball yeah but this dude also is probably, you know, we always talk to guys about who are the biggest trash talkers out there Mm -hmm. this man right here when he was just a good golfer, not a great golfer, yeah. Yeah. was a good golfer, talked trash to Ray Allen. Oh yeah, one of the greatest trash talkers. Yeah, and you and Ray, you got in his head for a minute because he was like, "Wait, what? This dude wants a piece of me." What? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, Ray was not the only one. Me and MJ, <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan, me and him. I, I've I talked some mad trash to him. <laughs> And me and him were going, and then, you know, MJ's one of the quote unquote like guys you don't speak trash to. Correct. Right. On the basketball court. This is true. But, <laughs> but hey, neither of us were in our realm, so it was fair game. And I ended up, I ended up getting the better, the better end of MJ. Did you? But, uh, you know, Ray Allen, he's, uh, you know, I went to Ray Ray's home track. Yeah. Cromwell? Uh, down somewhere in Miami. Miami. Okay, Miami. Yeah, down in Miami. Yeah. yeah. And beat the brakes off of him. <laughs> So you beat him. At I went in course. his home track, in his stomping grounds. Took his date and shot two under on him, and just oh, no. And that was with a double. I had one double that day. How'd that go over? Man, I, you know, I kind of felt bad for him <laughs> for, a I was say- <laughs> for a second. <laughs> <laughs> when you see him out at this event, like when you see him out and about. Oh, him. he knows. He knows as soon as I see him. He, oh, hey, what's up, Ray Ray? You and me going to put some cash on it this year? He knows it's coming. He, pre- I, he, I think he actually owes me from last year, to be honest with you. Yeah, because I remember y'all had a little something last year. Yeah, because I don't think he finished well the last day, and I came back, you know, pretty strong the last day. Isn't like. it the great thing about <laughs> golf, though? A pro athlete in your sport, 
able to compete against a pro athlete in another sport in this game. Oh, it's it's amazing, you know. But what's what's incredible about it is, um, you know, you see some of these football players out here. You see, you know, some of these basketball. Now, raise the exception. I feel like, um, but how it translates to golf, it doesn't. Yeah, you, you know, because no. it, golf, it doesn't matter how fast you run. It don't. It doesn't necessarily how much weight you push. Right. Um, you know, you got to learn how to hit a golf ball. I remember I played with Mike Madonna out of here a couple of years ago. And like, I take pride and I hit the golf ball pretty far, you know. Mikey's out there and he's just pounding this three wood. You know, he's six foot four, six foot five, yeah. ex hockey player. Yeah. Man, he was sending that thing. And I, you know, I, it was, you know, I was, I was having to get on my toes to hit this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, you know, we, at it. Uh, yeah, but it, it's it's great to see the dynamic and uh, to play with some of these guys and some of these athletes. So, you know, a lot of when I was growing up, I watched a lot of these guys that are right. out here. Marcus Allen, yeah, yep. right. You know, Ray Ray when he was playing. Um, I could I could go on. I don't want to leave anybody out, but it's incredible to be able to stay here. And, you know, get to meet Joe Theismann last night. You know, it's uh, it's awesome. Who's the one athlete or celebrity that you've gotten to play 18 holes with that even when you were like, I can't believe I just played 18 with? Probably MJ. Yeah, whenever I played with him. And you are talking smack, too. From hole one. <laughs> but, like, that's the only way I know how to. Like, if, yes, I, if right. I was quiet, I'd be like. Something's wrong. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it all boil up at, like, the eighth hole. Yeah. That's what it. Yeah. This is the. the Face that he made when he was trying to hold it in to not talk. Yeah, look Yeah, that's great, man. That's just how it is. That's how I grew up, and you know, being in a baseball, you're you're in that environment, you're in a clubhouse, twenty five dudes, and you know, that's all we do. I mean, I'm a professional baseball player, but at the end of the day, I'm a professional trash talker too, <laughs> because that's all we do. That's all we do is talk noise to each other. Do you guys bring the golf into the season every once in a while if you just need to get like I know you said you don't have much time it's a long season but is there times where you'll get with your buddies on the team and go for it? We, yeah, we would like to. I mean, I, I feel like if everything if depending on the schedule we would like to do that. Yeah. Um, but man, it's you don't find a lot of guys that uh, in in the locker room. That, I mean, you'll have four or five guys in there. Yeah. Uh, but everybody's so you know kind of into. What they're doing. Except the pitchers. Yeah, the pitchers go out there occasionally. I was going to say, I'd be so mad if I, like, if I was a position player Mm -hmm. and then had to stop like you do. Right when your game seems like it's coming around, spring training. You're like, I don't believe it. That's why Smalls and those guys. That's what I'm saying. you got to watch those dudes go play golf two to three times a week. I would be so mad. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I get pissed off because we're sitting there working from, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning until – you know, if we have a game that day, probably four or five o'clock at night in spring training, and then they're out of the clubhouse getting a tea time at ten thirty, <laughs> they're done. And so you're like, man, what a life! That's what, like, what a life! <laughs> Just standing at the fence must be nice yeah. to get in the yeah. car. Yeah, like I'm gonna key your yeah. car. <laughs> what a life! Every the, fifth day. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just watching it, you're like, I know, I got eight more hours of work to do and y'all teeing it up because yep. you know you're not pitching for three more days. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, shoot, maybe, I mean, in spring training, 
it might be even more than that. But the, and then they're getting worked up. They're going out there throwing twenty, thirty pitches a starter, and then they're gone. <laughs> Back out to the team. yeah, gone. Who's the one guy that you beat? Who most proud of beating when you first started playing? Like you say, you got back into golf when you were around twenty, so you were already yeah. a professional baseball player. Uh, yeah, I was twenty-one is when I became professional. Yeah, so I was in college. I was in my sophomore year of college. Yeah. So who was it who really drew you out to start playing hardcore again? Watching, like watching golf. Or no, play. going out and playing. Oh, uh, was man. there a specific team? Somebody who was another baseball player that kind of really got you out? Or was we it? had a group of dudes when I was in college at Auburn uh, that all loved to go play. Really? Yeah, we had probably like ten or twelve guys. Um, man, man, I have some stories about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, you know, college. You know how that goes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it was. We had some. Um, Those are years to learn how to drink. And yeah, recover. That's yeah. what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that at, at that age, you just recover. You just wake up and you're recovered. You that's yeah. amazing it's how that works. Thing. If I go drink now, nah, I'm, I'm hurt. Days, yeah, yeah, at least minimal. Yeah. I'm, ta- I'm taking all types of vitamins to try to get back up on par, you know. <laughs> but but so when you – in college is when you started to, like, catch that itch again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when I first started playing again, I had my clubs from when I was, like, 14. Because I remember I bought like you know my mom bought me like a like five or six clubs, like a little mini set or whatever like that. And I went out and I played them. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go out here and play. I had a little driver. I go and hit this thing. I'm looking for the ball. The ball went behind me. <laughs> what? Yeah, you went behind. Driver? Yeah, the ball went behind me. And then my next my next shot was like into a par three. I take an iron out. I hit it. I'm looking for it. I can't find it. I look about four inches in front of me. It's dug about six inches down into the dirt, <laughs> into the ground. I'm like, man, swing down on it. Yeah, Not so much. Yeah, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I got to get some new clothes. <laughs> it ain't my fault. Yeah, no, it's just, these fault. Gloves is broke. And so I actually started trying to play left-handed. What? Yeah. So I had like three clubs that I'd got. I had like a little three wood. And man, I was pounding it lefty. And until I was about 14 years old, I. Uh, in baseball, I was a switch hitter. Oh. And so I was like, all right, like I started going in there and then lefty. I mean, I was, I couldn't hit it that far, but I, it was straight. And then I had one day where I probably like blocked a couple balls out or whatever like that and I snapped them things. <laughs> and like, just That's like enough. that, the left handed career was, was over. over. Was over. I could have been like Phil Mickelson. Like, right. Know? Cause yeah. he's right handed, yeah. but played lefty. Yep. I do, I play lefty. Oh, you play golf lefty? I yeah. play golf really? lefty. I throw righty and kick righty, but I play golf and I bat lefty when, mm. from when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I always batted lefty. I could hit righty, but it was just not the same. I never really hit for power anyway, but yeah. <laughs> I, was, I could bunt <laughs> righty. Yeah. I was still all right. That's funny. So what's your best score ever? 65. I have a course record at one of my courses back home. Wow. Yeah. 65. Yeah. And I had two bogeys. Yeah. What? Seven birdies, an eagle, and two bogeys. My God. Nice. Yeah. Best score you've ever shot playing with a pro golfer? Uh, Two under. I shot two under with Duffner. Duff Day. Yeah, fellow Auburn guy. Yeah. 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 I took, I took his cash that day, too. <laughs> <laughs> but he's giving me five aside. And you shot two under on yeah, him? Yeah. He shot eight under and lost. Now what's he give oh. you? He still. He still gives you ten? He still gives me ten. Five, Wow. Got to, like, but like the last couple, last I didn't get to play with him this off season. But the last couple off seasons before that, 
he gets me like fresh out of the gate. Yeah, right. Where I hadn't even seen a golf club. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he starts off the first day giving me six, and then I'll take a little bit from him, and then he'll go to five, and then he'll turn it on and beat me. <laughs> And so, I mean, you know how those guys are. We got to make fun of Duff nowadays because he just got sponsored by Men's Butt Wipes. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Too. No, God. he didn't. Yes, he did. Well, he probably needs them. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's our guy. <laughs> oh, what, he needs to get uh, sponsored by the adult diapers. Imagine that. Goes out there. <laughs> Here's James Duffner lining up this putt. Wait, he's not lining up. Oh, let's uh, go to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Got a diaper change on whole sex. We ask everybody because I'm adding the caddy to the podcast. Uh, dream foursome, dead or alive. Who's playing with you? Uh, me, Mickey Mantle. Um, I would like to play with... Oh man! I mean, I'd have to probably throw Tiger in there. Yeah. And let's go. The problem is, I got to play with some of these guys already. Uh, probably my fourth would have to be. Let's see here. I'm gonna go with Kevin Cosner. Dances with wolves. You're yeah. playing with Kevin Cup because of Tin, tin Cup. cup. Tin Cup, man. Come that's on. where he goes with that? Oh, yeah. What a, is this a golf podcast? <laughs> or apparently what not. What is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like I, I like Kevin Costner. And he was in the For the Love of the Game. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a, he's a sports a, movie guy. Which is a yeah. great sports that's movie That's a guy. very underrated. Very underrated. Movie. Yeah. I'm and he's in Bull Durham. Yeah. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Bull Durham is my favorite baseball movie. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. There are in a lot of parks that I know a park no, that, that would have held that one. Dances with wolves <laughs> with you, and then your uh, bucket list course. Bucket list course, man. I got to play Pebble already. I got to play. Uh, what's the other course that's out there near Pebble? Cypress. Cypress. Played Cypress. That was nice. Uh, that's oh, tough. That's tough. We that. still ain't been. We ain't in on that one. Yeah, I got you know Duff. Duff Daddy got me yeah. in on that one. He knows a guy that knows a guy. Mm. I'm assuming he played Augusta. Okay, so Augusta would be it. It would be it. Yeah, I don't think Augusta could contain him. I give he, he's long. I would like to. I would like to see it, but I don't hit a draw, so I hit a cut. So yeah. I, I would have to go over some trees. Jack won a lot of green jackets with a cut. Yeah, he did. All right, yeah. yeah, but that was before they tiger proofed it. Though, that's too. true. But like, that's why I feel like Bubba's got that. Yeah, it's like a perfect fit for him because he hits that power Every cut. Time he turned, yeah. yeah, that was. I got that like, cut too. Yep. I don't know. Has DJ played well there? Not historically. Not great. No. Yeah. No, see, no. that's me and DJ are ball flight. There's big. Yeah. Have you gotten to play with DJ yet? No, I haven't. Him and I, when I was in Pebble Beach, him and I were on the range together. We've talked a lot, exchanged numbers, and him and I still go back and forth. But we haven't yet to you know. Get on the, uh, to tee it up, yeah. I would love to hear the story of the trash talking that goes oh, on between man. you and him. Yeah, is he? Is he? You think he's a big trash? Sneaky, really? Very sneaky trash talker. I took him out when we were out there in the range, and I was just, I was, I was probably flying his driver by about twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, over there, I was just, you know, who was, who I would was love the to see uh, on his face too? Who, oh, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um. European golf, or he's from Ireland. He, Rory. No, no, no. He's an older guy. Patrick Harrington. Patrick Harrington. Okay. We're on the range, and Duff literally, he just got me 
put put a new driver in my hand, new shaft. Because at the time, my shaft, was, um, you know, it was donezo. <laughs> um, I'm out on the range. We're at Pebble Beach. And you know how they have that fence behind the that little wooden fence that's probably like three foot tall? Yes. And he's like, all right, I want you to aim at that fence right there, that little pole, and just hit it as high as you can and as far as possible. I'm like, all right, I'll do I, I think I can do that. And so I'm sitting there pounding. I'm hitting it over the fence. And it's like 340. That's 340 in Pebble Beach yeah. air. Yeah. yeah. That's heavy, cold air. Yeah. I mean, it was a nice, it was a sunny day that day. It was like 70. It's still, it was, I mean, it was, I, I was getting it pretty good. <laughs> but I sit, I sit over there and Podrick's like looking at me. I said, Podrick, you can't do this? That is one majors. I said, Podrick, I mean, ball's not moving. Come on. It's easy. <laughs> and now I see him over there. I see him, you know, he's on, I see, uh, social media and stuff like that. He's doing all these like speed drills, like trying to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I love it. I'm like, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> trying to get some extra speed. <laughs> what's the one? Hey, what's the one home run you're the most proud of? If there was one home run so far in your career, like one of your drives, you, like, you just watched. Yeah, that you were like, oh, I can't believe how good I got that dude. Because like a, a pitcher that would be really tough for you to face, and you got him good. Mm. That's a tough question, but I mean, I'd have to probably go. I hit a ball in Minnesota a couple of years ago. Uh, it's my furthest home run that I've hit in my career. They said that it went 483. <sighs> uh, third deck, and it went into the, uh, the walkthrough, the walkway in there, so you never like really. Like the tunnel, so yeah. you don't know and how they far have, could They have on. three decks up yeah. there. Yeah. And it went in the top deck into the tunnel, straight into it, like that. <laughs> and our so announcer was like, it went, it went out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, let's just pretend that it did. Right. <laughs> I think I just killed a cheese curd yeah. in Milwaukee. Man. But probably like the most emotional homer, yeah. that like where I was just like, was 2012 when I was like, I, I was, had played really well for the last month. Um, I was with Oakland at the time. At the All-Star break, we were down by, I want to say, like 14 games back. Yep. yep. And we were playing um, Seattle, and we were losing 4-2 to two in the eighth inning. And I came up, and I hit a, tying, a game-tying home run in the eighth inning. And... It got to four to four. We end up hitting a walk off homer to win the game. And then we were three game and why it's so cool because we ended up winning the division on the last day of the yep. season. Wow. And so if we lost that game, we still don't win the division. Right. Yeah. So it was that just that, gave me goosebumps. And I, I remember when I hit it and I'm going around the bases and stuff like that and hearing the crowd, like it was the one of the first moments like in my big league, like Big league time where I really felt like the energy from the stadium. Yeah. And then, you know, I've had some points from, from then on out with the same feel. I had yeah. a lot of great moments in Toronto and it's not to shortchange no, that, but that right. was like really like the first time that I felt that. And I was like, man, <laughs> I get used to this. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what it's, that's why you compete. What's it like? What's it like after you hit the home run when you're crossing home plate? And getting ready to run down into the dugout. I always wonder, 
what that because there's nothing in golf really that compares to that because it's not a team sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably like the closest thing that I would say to something like that is like when you saw Spieth make that bunker shot yeah, to win Hartford. it. Yeah, and then maybe when um, Tiger on sixteen at Augusta. Yeah, yeah, and um, man, uh, Zach Johnson when he hold out yep. after hitting the ball yeah, in the water. Yeah, yeah, like something like that, but. You kind of get that roar and everything from everybody from the the crowd, but when you come back into the dugout and you just see like everybody's like everybody's so pumped up that you just went deep and that you you just gave your ch- your team a chance to win, and you know that you came through for your boys. Yeah, you know that's, that's the what, adrenaline. Yeah, that's that, that that's 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 what's that's what's great when you have a great team that's all feeding off each other like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That's what's special about team sports. That's probably also the time that you're like, I'm going to go back up to bat right now. Y'all just chill. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be right yeah, yeah. Do it again. Yeah, I want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, this yeah, no is problem. great. Yeah, no stories. Problem. Love it. Uh, yeah. Good so luck cool. this week. And, I appreciate uh, keep, that. Keep punishing that, that Volvic. <laughs> no, no, no. That's <laughs> the funny. I told you, that golf ball, that, that one that you sent with that driver the first time, that ball was in the air going down. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. All right, man. Look, there are people that, you know, we like to root for, and we're not ashamed to admit, like after we interview some of these guys, that we will root for them in perpetuity because of how fun they were to interview. Josh Donaldson's one of those guys, man. What a fun conversation what? he's had. And it's, I, 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 I can't believe he's that good at golf, and it almost angers me how far he hits a golf ball. <laughs> I just love the fact that he talks about he knows the ball is just sitting right there, so he's going to try and murder it every <laughs> single time. That's just what he loves. And then the fact that he just took the plastic off of them clubs and went out and played with them and played pretty good. That's just – and everyone who knows me knows, like, how Philly fan I am. So I'm all in Phillies. Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, I'm in, right? Those are my teams. The fact that Josh is playing on the Atlanta Braves, I'm going to go up. I'm going to take him up on his offer, and I'm going up there Absolutely. to watch a game. And I'm going to be rooting for him and the Braves hard. I'm, I, the one thing I won't do is I'm not going to go up when they play the Phillies, I don't think. Yeah, you probably should. No. Yeah, go, go to a game where they're playing someone that stinks like the Diamondbacks. Um, Marlins. You know what I love too about Donaldson is that this is a dude that's used to hitting a moving fastball 98 miles an hour. So he laughs at the notion that this little white ball doesn't move and stays on a tee for him. And, and the fact that everybody gets quiet. Like he would be just, he's the dude that wouldn't get shook at all if like someone was screaming and whatnot in the background or if, or if every hole was like the 16th at waste man. That's right. He would probably embrace it. He would shake his hair and be like, let's go. <laughs> Here's the thing with him, too. Like, we, when we were talking to him, he was telling us, this is but not, I don't think during, it, was, it wasn't during the interview. It was just on the driving range. There are holes that he's like, it's too, it's too short for me. Like, I outdrive the hole or I hit my three wood too, like, far. Yes. And like, what yes. the hell? How is this? I mean, too far. If that's well, ever... the other thing people don't understand, he's not a large individual. No, he's about, what do you think? He's, he's probably my height, maybe. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's, he, he's got. He might be 30 pounds heavier than you. Yeah, he's got, well, yeah, he's got the muscle. Yeah. But he's not, he's not one of those guys that you he's think. Imposing. He's not going to make the body magazine, the body issue. 
We should be in the body issue. Maddie and the caddy should be on the cover of ESPN the body issue. Don't tempt me, bro. I'm not, you know I ain't. You think scared. we should? I will put my hairy Frodo body. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna actually. I ain't I'll, I'll email management right when we're done recording. I'll say and tell them we've decided for charity that Maddie and the caddy. And you know what? You here? You know what's going to be uh, covering your stuff? The golf bag. No, you know what I should be. What would be great is if I had one of those uh, bags of golf balls that you get at the driving range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had two of those, <laughs> give me two of those, and I could block all of my stuff. Two of them. Yeah. You need a small bag. No, bro. Come on now. <laughs> give me, give me a little credit. <laughs> but if I had two of those, I could. We could block everything, and like that. That would be hilarious. And then I would use the cover of a driver. Yeah, see, that would be cool. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up this week's episode, probably much quicker than we should, uh, you were at Genesis. Yes. Tiger makes his return. I will go on record again as I do every tournament that Tiger tees it up in. I have zero expectations for him to win. Make the cut. Advance yourself from where you were in the, the first tournament you were in this year. Look. This is the tournament Tiger has played more than any other tournament. Well, how do I say this in the correct way? He's never even contended to win here realistically. And this this tournament, he's played the most without a win. So he's got more starts here. I think there was one time where, yeah, there's once where he had a chance potentially to win and he didn't other than that tiger making the cut this week will be a win and it's not only because of the course it's because of it's his foundation that's running this whole thing yep so he's doing so much foundation stuff that his 100 percent focus can't be on golf like yesterday with the celebrity cup yeah it was him and Fred Couples, which can I just tell you, that was so much fun. And there was so much smack talk going on the first tee. Oh, I bet. Before stuff started going down. And then watching Fred Couples try and lobby to get an in and out sponsorship. Which, by the way, you could see on Michael's Instagram. Yeah. Feel free and to post t- that on Maddie I- and the Caddy if you want. But, I mean, you could make it all about yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's selfish. I'm just going to say, you know. Feel free to grow the brand a little bit. I'm just I know what repost is. Like I can do Apparently not. On Maddie's Caddy <laughs> Just let it breathe on my thing real quick. <laughs> just to, trying to help everyone, man. I got it on shortstop and everything. I posted it. Oh good, it shortstop. Everywhere. That's good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. Hey, it did make ESPN.com like on the main page, so that's something which if if it if it helps me, it helps us. Anyway, I have Knew Tiger was a fast eater. He literally finished a, an in and out double in four bites. Oh my god! It was really, dude. It was so impressive. I'm surprised someone of Tiger's physical concerns in terms of his body, like staying in shape, that he ate an in and out double double. What? Do you know what his go to spot is for fast food? Apparently not. Mickey D's, yo. Yeah, but how often does he do that? More often than you think. Really? 
Well, see, here's the thing, and this is where I'm a little bitter. Because he works out so much and because he works out so hard, he can eat there a lot. Because he burns it off. Yeah, because he's, yeah. Because like Michael always... Phelps' 10,000 calorie diet. Correct. Correct. If you're busting it in the gym all the time, and if you, you can eat whatever you want to. Even when, in, when I said to him, bro, where's the burger, yo? And he pointed at my belly. And I was like, you know what? That's almost true. Like, you can eat and I gain weight. Like, I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work? And even he busted out laughing. All right, so wait a second. Where did you get, in terms of getting Tiger on the podcast or Freddie Couples on the podcast, did you, did you go that route or were you just – you know. Actually, I have to admit that Freddie Couples was extremely complimentary to he knows about our podcast. Okay. And he also listens to the show that Pat Perez and I do on SiriusXM that occasionally you will sit in and co-host as well, and he loves it. So okay, the hard okay. part for Tiger is going to be now his relationship with that Discovery stuff. Yeah, you're right. So, like, right. he has his own spot where he can just do all of that on his own. But, as we know, scratching backs is very helpful in the podcast world. That's exactly right. So, like, hey, man, jump on our podcast. Somebody jump on your pod. Like, hey, we can have a whole bunch of fun sharing some stuff and doing some fun things. So, I would I would say that having him on our podcast is not out of the realm of possibilities. Um and there are some other people that will also be joining us on the podcast because one of us gets numbers. Oh, here we go with this. We know how our relationship works, and it works better that way. You can send me some okay, naughty text later of who it is. All right. So yeah, you're going to freak out. I probably will. Yeah. Um, all right. So I look forward to next week's podcast only because Tiger is going to be teeing it up. And I can't wait. I always love recapping once Tiger. But before we get to the calls from the hotline, quickly give me a five-place window where you think Tiger will finish at Genesis. Uh, I think he finishes between 30th and 25th. Ooh, okay. I was going to go 22 to 27, so we're kind of in the same range. Yeah. If he makes the cut. If he makes the cut, he finishes. 30th to 27th. The forecast for Thursday is horrific, and it's going to get Arctic cold for L.A. And I mean, like, 40s. You know that what? Whole, it never rains in Southern. If I hear them dudes sing that, I'm going to chop them in the throat because <laughs> they're liars. You know what? Good. I'm glad it's going to be bad in L.A. Why are you hating, man? I'm just trying to <laughs> find some sun. Like, we're supposed to be in the sport that chases the sun, and right now, Mother Nature. This is Mother Nature. I told people at Pebble last week. Last year, Mother Nature gave us her best. And I think we didn't appreciate it. So this year, as we were laying on the ground, she grabbed us by the collar, pulled us up a little bit, and just punched us square in the face. Back. And was like, you don't appreciate me, punks? Whap! This is what you're going to Whap! Next time, you better act like this ain't normal. Whap! <laughs> She's getting you twice, so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be look Mother Nature for our friends in Connecticut. By the way, go to Maddie and Caddy Instagram. Uh, Mrs. Maddie uh, got a video of my commute to tape the podcast, uh, of which <laughs> you guys will all enjoy. All right, for the hotline callers now, I've got 
two questions and then a and then one um, correcting a lot of stuff Caddy got wrong. So we'll go to the questions first. Uh, first one, guys. Also, when you're calling in the hotline, please leave your name so we can give you credit for calling in. Um, the first question. Hey guys, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, me and my dad listen to you weekly. We're hooked. Uh, thanks for everything you guys do. Uh, my question is a what if. Um, who would you rather be getting get paired with uh, if you have to add someone to your foursome? A slow player that shoots consistently in that 70 to 75 range or a fast golfer who is an absolute hack, can't break 100 to save his life? Thanks, guys. Keep it up. I would rather play with fast guy that can't break 100. Me too. Because I've got zero. I, you know, patience isn't one of my things. Although... Because seventy seventy five guy is not only does he play slow, he might have seventy to seventy five guy attitude, which quite frankly, I just don't need on the golf course. Yeah, see if he's gonna if seventy seventy five guy is gonna be t- talking me, if he's gonna be doing play by play every time he gets back in the cart, I'm gonna face mush him and push him out the cart because I don't do good with that. But <laughs> on the other hand, if the seventy to seventy five guy is just playing really good and keeping to himself. And I don't mean keeping to himself as far as, like, we don't have conversation. I mean keeping to himself about his game. Then I actually enjoy playing with people like that, even if they're slow, because I love playing with really good golfers. Because I think you can learn things and see things. And here's the problem. The dude who's shooting 70 to 75 is probably going to take as long as the guy who shoots his 120. Right. Because you think about it, the dude that shoots 120 is still going to be in the woods. That's it. Punching shots out and stuff. Or he's going to be in the water taking a drop or hitting four sand bunker shots and stuff like that. (laughs) And if you're having a good time because the guy's entertaining and playing like he's hitting his shots fast, then you go, hey, man, that was great. And this dude played fast. No, he played in five hours just like the slow guy played in who shot 70. But... The 120 guy was entertaining and fun, and the slow guy was not. He was too right. If you're 120 guy and you're fun and you play quick, come on. There's room for cigars and beers with you on the golf course. We appreciate that question. The next uh, question was. Hey, Maddie and Caddy. Love the podcast. I was curious, in light of Sergio Garcia's behavior on the course, what is the worst on-course etiquette you've ever seen, and did you say anything about it? Uh, my personal one was a friend of mine snapped a nine iron over his leg when he was mad that he duffed a shot, and we gave him crap about it the rest of the round. We also made him fix his divot repeatedly. Thanks. Uh, okay. As a caddy, the worst that I saw and and really embarrassed me, I actually apologized for it, was my own player. And it was caddying for Scott Piercy at the Disney event. And... He damaged one of the greens. Oh, no. Walking off because he was frustrated. Yeah. Now, of course, it's Piercy. So, and at the time, he hadn't won. So, uh, there was no one following us, but there was like two elderly gentlemen standing by the back of the green. And he was mad and went to like whoosh his putter down at the ground and mm-hmm. took a chunk of the green with him. Yep. Over towards the back. And the guy was like, you're not going to come back and fix that? Oh, and really? Called him on it? 
Yeah. That is You're beautiful. not going to come back and fix that? Like, what? Come on, jerk. And Piercy was so mad, he kind of F-bombed the dude under his breath. And I was so embarrassed that I walked, I was behind him and walked over and tried to fix it with my feet real quick and then looked at the guys and was like, hey, I'm really sorry. We're having a tough day. I know that's not appropriate behavior, and I'll say something too. So. That's an amazing day. That, that was on like the eighth green. It was our 17th hole today. And then on the ninth tee, I was like, come on, man. You got to be better than that, yo. No matter how bad it is on the course, we can't. See, in a tournament, that makes that story better. We can't. Do it. Yeah. It I've was played in a tournament. With, I played with my college buddies and buddies growing up that are all just kind of run hot anyway. And my, my friend, he was, he was just spraying his driver all over the yard. You know, by the fifth or sixth hole, he just had enough of it. And. He was he was already just acting dumb anyway, and then he hit another driver that was just absolutely awful. So he did that thing where he takes and just slams his driver on the ground right after the shot, and yep. the driver snapped. <laughs> and so we all kind of started laughing. We're like, "Well, that's what you get, you know." So out of principle, the rest of the threesome, we never let him use one of our drivers. So he <laughs> no. and, his, and he so he had to he had to and I think someone was over his three wood as I recall. So he literally did not have a long wood in his bag for the rest of the round because he broke his driver, and we just made fun of him like, "Hey, have fun with that six iron on this par five. <laughs> now tee it up higher; it'll go farther. No, 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 that'll work." <laughs> so yeah. I love golf course, baby. Like at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like we've all Look, gotten hot I've on the golf stank. course. I my worst moment. I've had two horrible moments. One where I flinged my lob wedge at a golf cart because I had bladed like or chunked my fifth wedge shot and it was oh, brand new wedges brand new Vokies then I was and they just weren't working and these two guys who I didn't know that I was playing with the one guy just <laughs> boy you better be careful you act like you get your clubs for free and I was so stink I looked at him and I go I do get my clubs for free shut up yeah, and then the next hole, I was like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, I actually do get my clothes for free, but I know I can't. I shouldn't do that." But here's the, and I was trying to explain like how the short game is my favorite part of the game, blah, blah blah. But it still didn't take away from the fact that I just was stank. And then I almost killed Troy Glaus, uh, the M- former MLB player, the first time I took him to TBC Sawgrass on the 15th hole. Basically, I was playing so bad, and I hit a horrible. Uh, iron shot from the middle of the fairway, and I, my irons are just same thing. I couldn't hit an iron. You know, like what you were going through that time yeah. when we start. Yes, I was going through that, and at the top of the swing, I let go of the club because I was so mad, and it literally flew right over his head. It's a, like if yeah. it had hit him, it had killed him. It's and a then, debilitating feeling. I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I and I said, I'm dude. I'm the biggest blank blank in the whole world. I'm really. And he was like, man, that was close. And I still haven't heard back from him to this day. You know what? Good. I'll tell you this. Shut uh, up. Quickly so we can wrap up this podcast. <laughs> One, don't ever throw clubs on the golf course. It's dangerous. There's been stories about people actually getting killed. Do not throw clubs on the golf course. That's our parenting advice for the week. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not that important. I'll give you my quick temper tantrum before we wrap up this final call and say goodbye. Um, I've never like thrown clubs or broken clubs. But I've been so heated because nothing was going my way. I actually, you know, I picked up the ball in the middle of the hole and said, I'm done. And I actually quit about eight holes in. And I literally sat there and watched people play for the rest of the time and drank because I was so mad. All right. So that's my temper tantrum in golf. Now, 
we're going to play the audio of this final call okay. on Caddy's behalf. Maddie, Caddy, Godfather here, Columbia, South Carolina. Love what you're doing with the podcast. I thought I may offer a couple points of unsolicited advice. First, uh, Caddy, your mother did not hit you with a pizza paddle. She hit you with a pizza peel. I own three pizza restaurants. That is the correct terminology. This is not up for debate. Second, I had a group of uh, Boy Scouts in last week. I asked a bunch of them if they were lost in the woods, how they may get out of the woods. Every one of them said that they would use their compass. There was no mention of compass. Uh, third, Caddy, as someone who has stood next to you and Michael Phelps, I don't imagine that as the number 10. I imagine that more as the lowercase letter B. Thanks. Uh, love what you guys are doing. Love the podcast. Have a good day. Number one, uh, I never took or used a spoon to get a pizza <laughs> out of an oven. Okay? And if you look at a wooden spoon. Pizza peel, 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 pizza peel. A pizza peel? I think so, yes. Yeah, well, you know what? When it hits when it hits you in the behind, it's a paddle. So there you go. <laughs> Call it what you want, but I've never seen a pizza get spanked before. All right. By, all right. That's <laughs> number, two. number one. Number two, um, I've never seen the letter U used in the spelling of compass. Okay? <laughs> so you can call Sade whatever you want, but it's still spelled Sadie. <laughs> and number three? At <laughs> number three. Number three, if you get lost in the woods and you need to find a way out, um, find water. No, number three is Michael Phelps. Look, I'm not holding his leg like a child so that we look like the letter B. It you are kind of up by his sep- belt. It would, be two, it would be two separate letters together. So if it was a B, we'd look like the shortening of pound or... <laughs> <laughs> or we'd look like the lowercase version of the word low. Okay? So. <laughs> well, I think, look, the Godfather, fantastic call. Uh, we appreciate the call in on the hotline. We're going to do this this week. Uh, we are going to solicit a question to you, the patron, and call us in on the hotline with your answer. I would like to know. It could be life advice, golf advice, marital advice, whatever. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten while playing a round of golf. Oh, okay. 860-506-6012. The greatest advice you've ever gotten while on the golf course. That's right. 860-506-6012. Hit us on the listener line. That's a great question. Yeah, so we'll get those next week. We'll recap Tiger Woods. Uh, we've got a, it's gonna, look, we're getting to the meat part of the, the season, so we are looking yes. forward to it. So, Caddy, I have, uh, I, oh, I'd like to say thanks to our friends here at 106.3 ESPN in West Palm for giving us, a, giving me a home today in the studios. I always appreciate them allowing us to come in here and take the podcast where our thanks to, uh, 106.3 ESPN West Palm, uh, for the studios today. Michael, stay out of the cold weather in LA. Kind of makes me laugh. Mrs. Maddie's been staring at me this whole time saying, dude, it's lunchtime here in West Palm. So I'm going to go have some lunch with, uh, Mrs. Maddie, uh, we appreciate the download, the listen, rate, subscribe, all of it. Social media again, at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and C-A-D-D-I-E. Collins just gave out the hotline. Those are the questions. We'll recap Tiger Woods. Looking forward to another week. We appreciate the listen. For the Caddy, Michael Collins. I am the Maddie. That's his phone sex operator voice. And we appreciate you listening here to Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. 
Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.